Welcome to the Money Over 50 podcast, brought to you by Dallas Davison and Michael Hogue from Money Over 50 Financial Advisors. This information is general in nature and does not take into account your objectives, financial situation, or needs. Therefore, you should consider whether the information is appropriate for you and your personal circumstances. If you require personal advice, please contact Money Over 50 Financial Advisors. Here are your hosts, Dallas Davison and Michael Hogue. Welcome to Money Over 50. Today's topic, bolting it all together. Michael, your topic for the day. Dallas, we've spoken, uh, we've done a lot of podcasts just recently on uh, how good it is to own the, the great companies of Australia and the world. Yeah. And um, I... It sounds very evangelist when you say it like that, doesn't it? But it's, it's sort of, we, well, we feel so strongly about it that it it's probably does come across well, evangelist. Well, that's, that's why I started thinking about this. I thought we, we could be, we could actually be um, labelled as share spruikers here. <laughs> And I, and I don't want that to happen. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Um, what I wanted to do today in this topic is is to yeah. to um, just to revisit how it all fits in together, how it yeah. all bolts together yeah. to get the best outcomes. I mean, um, owning, buying good quality companies and holding them does yeah. part of the job. Yeah. But and, and like we said, it's a it's a big part of the job, and it's very important the whole way through from while you're still accumulating and then in through your retirement. So. Pretty much, you know, if you're 55, the next 30, 40 years of your life, accumulating and owning shares in those great companies is going to is going to do. Uh, it, it can do a lot of the work for you, but it can't do all the work for you, and that needs to fit into a greater plan. It's not it's not enough to just buy and hold those companies. There needs to be strategy around how and when and how much and all those sorts of things, and that's kind of what you're talking about today, I think. Precisely, yes. I wanted to, to, to take everyone through in order of chrono, chronological order, I guess, in, yep. in terms of what are the uh, leading yep. up to retirement, yep. at retirement, in retirement, during retirement, and at the end of it all. Yeah. Um, yep. uh, how overlaying strategy yep. on top of that yep. will will um, by by and large get you a much better result. Yeah. And that's, that's, I guess, what we're talking about here is that it's a combination of, and we've said this before many times, there's no one magic bullet that does does it all for you. It's, it's a matter of, as you say, bolting it all together. It's all got all the components, all those parts of the strategy that tie in together. And so um, I think as we go through this, just to, to clarify, it's that obviously this isn't exhaustive. This isn't a list, an exhaustive list of everything. It's just an example at each of these timeframes of, as you say, in chronological order, these are the types of things that you can, that you can look at that separate to the, separate to how that money gets invested, separate to the return, separate to owning those great companies. These are things that you can take advantage of that, that people might not be aware of. And these are the sorts of strategies that we look at. And obviously, as you go through this, you explain, but it's different for every for every client. So this is just an example of for some people, this is what we look at at that point in time. And it's not relevant for everyone, but there are other there are other strategies that we won't go through here that are also relevant at different times. That's right. Yeah, great point to make. So first of all, um, we're going to make the assumption that inside of your retirement savings is your superannuation for most people, uh, but it can be a combination of superannuation and outside of superannuation investments. We're going to make the assumption that you have most of that money working hard enough for you, mm-hmm. and that and that's that's why we talk about these great quality companies all yeah. the time. We know of no better asset than um, the great quality companies of Australia and the world to to 
to do that to, part of the to work do that for you. Heavy lifting yeah. of where you actually need to yeah. be. So we, we said we weren't going to talk about it, and we're two minutes in, and we're, and we're back to evangelizing about well, how good it is running <laughs> companies. Well, I guess there's three. There's three main. There's three broad categories of asset that I can think of. One is is cash, yeah, uh, and that's lending money to people. Uh, and if you do that at this this point in time, the rates of interest are, are quite low, as everyone knows. There's property. Most people own. Uh, yeah, property yeah. in yeah. terms of the the physical rental property mm. in Smith Street or or Jones Street or wherever it is, um, um, the liquidity issue of that is one that doesn't suit most people in retirement. In that they need so much of it, uh, yeah, they need ten properties, for yeah. example, to yeah. to pay them enough rent out of the after netting out all of the expenses. That they can live off, and then there's and then there's shares in good quality companies. So there's, I mean, there's so many different subsets of those broad asset classes. However, for most of our clients, um, uh, and, and for for most Australians, the, the the problem is they need to work their money hard enough yep. to be able to in the right asset, yep. and it's got to have the right liquidity about it, yep. and it's got to have the right amount of um, possibility to diversify yeah. all those things so we know of no better asset than the great quality companies of Australia and the world so we make that assumption yeah. that yeah, let's that, put that aside let's go. put that aside so, yeah, yeah, so, you, have to, you have to be doing that or at the very least thinking very hard about doing that, that, that and, and this is yeah. that's right so bolting it all together so the last 10 years of someone's working life, and it doesn't have to be the last 10 years. If you yeah. can start 15 years yet, that's yeah. even better. But if you're um, listening to a podcast called Money Over 50, you're probably this is the category that you're probably in. Yeah, look, it's a, it's a nice little sweet spot because usually that coincides with the point in time when uh, a 55-year-old couple at their highest income earning capacity because yep. they've risen to those um, uh, positions of 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 uh, I, I, I guess they've they've been promoted up, uh, they've done extra study and all those types of things. They have the, the right amount of experience and youth. So, um, for a, for a couple that's ten years away from retirement, let's just assume earning ninety ninety thousand dollars each. Uh, generally speaking, we would be encouraging those people to to max out their concessional contributions, which means collectively together, uh, including what their employer puts in yeah. to superannuation, would be $50,000 at least going yeah. in each year. And so so you're talking about, so this is like while you're working, this is last 10 years. Yes. So you, really, I think, as we've said, separate to the investment piece, one of the big things that we focus on in this time frame is that is that tax deduction. That's kind of the, I exactly. guess, the broad category. And for, for most people who come to see us, this is... This is the, the subset of that that makes the biggest difference and can make a, as as you'll see, a big uh, tax saving over that last ten years. But it's really about you. You those people are working. They're, they're at the, as you say, they're at the top of their game and uh, yep. they've done all the done all the study, done all the, the work out the ranks. They're at their highest income earning potential generally, and so what we really want to do is make sure that of the income that they're earning over that last ten years. They're using every dollar of that, and, and as little as possible is going to the ATO, and as much of it as possible is going into their their retirement savings and, and working for them. Yeah, absolutely. And and even if the tax deduction wasn't available, we'd be still encouraging people to put in fifty thousand yeah. dollars a year because yeah. they still have the funding problem. They need yeah. to get to that yeah. 
they're still going to be shorter where they need to be unless they do that. Yep. Um, what makes it so much more attractive is the tax deductibility side of it. Yeah. So done correctly, uh, a couple earning ninety thousand dollars each can um, put in and claim thirty two thousand nine hundred dollars to yep. their superannuation. Generally speaking, their yep. employer nine point the standard nine point five percent employer contribution uh, adds up to seventeen thousand one hundred combined. Uh, they can put in 32900 They can claim that as a personal tax deduction, and if they're on $90,000 each, uh, they'd be claiming at a 34.5% rate. So times 10 years, so 32900 of contributions combined, uh, claiming that at a 34.5% tax deduction rate, and for 10 years, they claim total tax returns, personal tax returns, one hundred and thirteen thousand five hundred and five. Yeah, over ten years. And that's that's I think the the point we're making here is that it's in any one year, and, and we've discussed this just recently that in any one year it seems like a bit of money. And you know, if if you looked at that in one year, it's eleven thousand dollars. It's 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 not chump change, but it doesn't feel like it's going to make. A huge difference over, but when you look at that over a ten-year time frame, if you can pick that up and and times that by ten, it becomes a big a big dollar saving that you're looking at there. Like those tax refunds of over that last ten years of your working life, an extra hundred and thirteen thousand and a half thousand dollars in in personal tax refunds is huge is a huge advantage. Yeah, absolutely. And and to be fair, what we're going to do here is we're going to subtract the money that so you put money in. To superannuation claim as a tax deduction in this case thirty two thousand nine hundred combined each year. Mm-hmm. Um, you pay fifteen percent tax on the way in, mm-hmm. so over that ten year period, that fifteen percent tax on the thirty two thousand nine hundred per year contribution yeah. over ten years equates to total fifteen percent tax of forty nine thousand three hundred and fifty dollars. We just stated that they have received personal tax returns or. Yep. It tax rebates or returns, however you like to, to to pitch it. It's it's a check from the ATO or it's a deposit into your account. Now I think it is, isn't it, Dallas? So, it is. <laughs> uh, um, uh, one hundred thirteen thousand five hundred and five personal tax returns deposited into your account over ten years. We subtract forty nine thousand three hundred and fifty dollars in the fifteen percent tax that you pay on the way to super the way on the way in to superannuation. What that nets out at is sixty four thousand one hundred and fifty five dollars of of difference. So, yeah. Yep. So um, that's that's the the real fair comparison is by doing it as you said before. If you're ten years out from retirement, you are you're generally going to need to save for retirement. You're going to need to give something up each year. If you do it this way, the difference is sixty four sixty four thousand dollars over yep. over ten years after everything's taken into account. Which, as I say, like. When you look at it as a lump sum over ten years, it's a huge amount of money. Absolutely, yeah. Like if it was in a, a brown paper bag, <laughs> you wouldn't step over. It. You, yeah, absolutely. You would you would bend down and pick it up. Um, you can get some sort of context around how thick that paper bag would be <laughs> uh, if it had sixty four thousand one hundred and fifty five dollars. That's a good point because I think with a lot of these figures, you, it's easy to kind of go oh, yeah, sixty four thousand, and you know, because you're looking at it often as it relates to. Yeah, you you might need one and a half million dollars to retire. You go yeah, sixty four thousand, and you kind of we look at the the is it the numerator, the denominator. We, we sort mm. of divide it by oh, well, we need one point five, so sixty thousand. What's the difference? And you kind of then when you when you break that down and go well, 
$64,000, that might be one year's, that's all of your living expenses for a year. Like that's a that's a huge amount of money. You can live on that for, for an entire 12-month period. I, I think we've lost touch with the quantity of money yeah. because um, of electronic payments. Yeah. So yeah. there's people, people, <laughs> people oftentimes now just don't even handle cash at all. Yeah. So you, you, I think um, more and more people are losing touch with the concept of how big a, a, yeah. a, a you know, a sum of money is. Yeah, that's exactly right. Because there are, it's a, it's just an extra zero, or it's a yeah. it's a comma in a different position. Yeah, yeah. And I think that that actually is a good point because we've talked about how that relates to our spending. It's it's much easier to spend money when you're just tapping a card and you're not having to actually fork out physical cash. But but especially with these tax deductions, it's it's easy to lose sight of what that saving really means. Yeah. You know, like if you if you break that down and think, well. That that money getting handed to me in a in a brown paper bag, both you know how heavy would that be? How tangible would that be? What an amazing thing! You know, that would be a, a pretty amazing. It would be a very memorable day when someone handed you sixty four thousand dollars in a brown paper bag. And then if you also think about that off the back of that, of you know what could I what could I do with sixty four thousand dollars? It's it is a huge amount of money to then be able to go and spend on things that you that are that are important to you that you that you enjoy doing. So it's, I think that's, I guess, the point of, um, like we said, I mean, the, the name of this podcast, Bolting It All Together, is that each of these things is is not a huge number if you think of it as it relates to your $1.5 million yep. that you need in retirement savings. But it is a huge amount of money if you compare that to to ha- how much work do you have to do to earn $64,000? How many hours worth of work do you have to earn and pay tax on to then get left with 64000 whereas just by being strategic about how you're saving for retirement, which you have to do anyway, hmm. you, you get to pick that up for essentially for free. Yeah, it, that's a great point that you make. It's it's there. It's to be picked up for free. Um, and given that the the topic is bolting it all together, so to even get ready to put thirty two thousand nine hundred into superannuation each year, yeah, um, there's work that you have to do. Yeah. prior to that point in time, yeah, um, we we. Are experts at actually doing that work with people and and having that come out the other end where they they really don't notice the difference yeah. in their budget. They think they're going to notice the difference. They don't tend to notice the difference when we take thirty two thousand nine hundred off them yep. over the course of the year and uh, and put that into their superannuation fund. Yeah, and so I guess that's there's another couple of um, examples you've got here for these for these tax deductions or the, these um, savings over that working life and. And I think because these these next couple are for smaller dollar amounts, mm. the same applies here where they you know, it might not be a difference of sixty four thousand dollars, but these are still and and you can explain more what you're talking about here. But these are still big amounts of money that you would have to go and and it, it would be it would take you a long time to save these amounts these amounts of money. Yes, and so if if in that first example we used the example of each member of that couple being on ninety thousand dollars each. Yeah. But what we see sometimes is we see one member of the couple being on more than that, say one hundred and fifty thousand dollars, and the other member of the couple being on less than forty thousand dollars. So if that's the case, um, there's some other things that you can tap into as well. So you can still tap into the, to the especially the higher income earning uh, member of the couple can tap into the same uh, tax-deductible contributions to superannuation that we, we mentioned in the first example. Um, 
they can also take advantage of actually some other government benefits as well. Uh, one of being one of which being the spouse contribution. So if that higher earning spouse three thousand dollars of contribution under what they call a spouse contribution, uh, then they get to claim a five hundred and forty dollar additional tax offset. Okay. Yep. So it's like five hundred and forty dollars tax. Yeah. Cash coming back to them. So over ten years. Yep. That's five thousand four hundred. So, so just to elaborate on that, this is and this is, these are things that we tend to look at every year and so I think we gloss over it a bit but it's something that a lot of people probably haven't even heard of or thought about. I think most people understand salary sacrifice or making tax deductible contributions to super. A spouse contribution is is different to that. It's a it's a $3,000 after-tax contribution. You put if you're the higher earning member of the couple, you put $3,000 into your spouse's super fund. You don't get to claim a tax deduction on that, but what the ATO does say is you get a tax offset of $540. So it's, it's 18% you, you get as a, as a tax offset on that amount, which is where the $540 comes from. So it's, again, a good example of one where, for most people, if that, if that higher income earner is, has... Uh, generally, there'll be someone who's earning more and they have a tax problem. Mm-hmm. And, and it's the best problem in the world because they're, they're earning good money. But they really want to minimise tax. And at the same time, at 55, they're looking at how do we save for retirement. And so yeah. this is another another big one that we're looking at is you probably want to save that $3,000 anyway. We, mm-hmm. we would be recommending, well, you need to be getting that into that superannuation, which is the most tax-effective environment, which we'll talk about down the track. But you're going to be doing that anyway. You might as well do it in this way where rather than just making an after-tax contribution to your own account, you make that 3000 into your spouse's account and you pick up a free $540. Absolutely. And the second part of that is uh, that uh, these two usually go hand in hand. The other one is called the government co-contribution. Yeah. And they go hand in hand because the, 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 the limit, limit is roughly $40,000. They, they have yep. different, yep. slightly different yeah. yep. taxable limits. So. Yes. What I'm talking about there is that the person, the receiving the spouse, receiving spouse yep. the lower actually income has to spouse. have a adjusted taxable income of under forty thousand dollars. Yeah, um, and and it's not the exact figure. There, there'll be some egghead accountant who's listening to this going, "Well, actually, no." There's, <laughs> we know. Again, we get it. We know <laughs> for simple for simplicity, for simplicity so. we're just going to say the receiving spouse. So, for example, as you said there. You might have one member of the couple who's earning $100,000 a year and the other member of the couple who might only be working part-time or is on, on a, a lower income job and they might only be earning $30,000 a year. Mm. So these are these two are, are basically contributions that the lower income earning spouse can receive. Yeah, so if the if the $1,000 goes in as a personal contribution and is not claimed as a tax deduction, $1,000 contribution goes into the lower income earning uh, spouse's account then um, they also would generally qualify for the government co-contribution, which is the government putting $500 of contribution into their superannuation fund. This is a confusing one because you don't have to be a member of a couple to take yeah. advantage of this. Yeah. Second part. Yeah. So first part, yeah. spouse contribution uh, denotes that you have to have a, have a spouse, spouse to make that contribution. Yep. Um, that spouse... Uh, and here's the confusing part too. It doesn't have to come out of that spouse's bank account. So, <laughs> yeah, that, so joint is, bank account, that, three thousand dollars goes in yeah. as a spouse contribution. Yeah. Which, if it's going into a pooled superannuation fund or a standard superannuation fund, there's usually a separate BPAY code for that. It's called a spouse contribution. Yeah. Code. So three thousand goes in from uh, a joint bank account. 
you have to be a member of a couple. Mm-hmm. Um, the person that claims that is the higher income earning spouse. Mm-hmm. It has to go into the low income earning spouse's account. Yeah. And that lower income earning spouse uh, has to earn circa less than forty thousand dollars yep. a year in 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 uh, in income to take advantage of that. Part B is um, we shouldn't call it Part B. It's because it's separate, yep. completely separate. Yeah. Uh, someone single or as a member of a couple, and again less than around forty thousand uh, dollars. These these figures slightly different for both of these. So. Uh, um, I'll just say it's around $40,000. But if that person puts in $1,000, again, from a joint bank account, from a personal bank account, wherever it comes from, it doesn't really matter. Mm. They put that $1,000 in as a personal contribution to their superannuation. They do not fill out a notice of intent to claim a tax deduction form. So they don't claim as a tax deduction. What would happen is that they would get a $500 benefit from the, the government. The government would actually make a contribution to their superannuation fund of $500 yeah. after they've completed their tax return. Yeah. And I think that's the, um, again, like you said, those two work tend to work in together. And, and so for the purpose of, you know, if you're a lower income earner and you're a member of a couple, you, you're eligible for both of these. So again, in each year, a $500 benefit doesn't seem like much, but you get your $500 benefit there, you get your $540 benefit there. You do that over 10 years and... It's essentially a, a benefit of ten thousand four hundred dollars. Mm. Again, if if you if someone handed you in in your at retirement, someone handed you a brown paper bag with ten thousand four hundred dollars in it, you'd be you'd be pretty happy about that. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think just just to wrap this up, potentially, uh, we use the example of what we actually do for our clients in in sort of May, uh, June mm. of each year as their end of financial year review. Because you spoke before about the BPay codes and all that kind of thing is. This is, like you say, bolting it all together. The output that we tend to give our clients who are accumulating for for retirement is that if you've got a if you've got a couple, and again to go back to to go to the example where there's one that's earning a higher income, one that's earning a a, a lower income. What we normally do is get information about their taxable income for the year, look at that, and go, okay, well, one member of the couple is earning. Uh, is earning ninety thousand dollars, so they're on track to receive roughly employer contributions of ten thousand dollars for the year. But they're going to have relatively high taxable income. They could make um, yeah, about a fifteen thousand dollar contribution into super. So that would be part one of that. Is let's make those before tax contributions of of fifteen thousand dollars into into the higher income spouse's account and claim a tax deduction on that. <coughs> That gives a, a tax refund of about that five thousand dollars there for that mm. for that person. The receiving spouse, the the lower income spouse, they don't really have the same taxable income. They don't have the same tax problem. However, what we could do is say, what you want to do is make a three thousand dollars spouse contribution into your account plus a thousand dollar after tax contribution, and get that benefit of a thousand and forty dollars. So. Essentially, what you what we'd be recommending that at that stage is to say, look, you make fifteen thousand dollars into this account, you make four thousand dollars into this account, and and it's nineteen thousand dollars. That, as we said, you you need to be saving for your retirement anyway, so you want to be saving that nineteen thousand dollars. By doing that, you get a total benefit of of uh, over six thousand dollars. Yeah, look, um, I'm glad you mentioned that, Dallas. Uh, we do that in May and June. Uh, every year with yeah. our clients because yeah. by May 
uh, by the start of May, we really know 10 twelfths of the full financial year and what that story. And people's situation tends to change too, oh, doesn't it? It's like a lot. So, so, you know, we would have sometimes a member of a couple uh, and they're both earning $90,000 each. Yeah. And then by the time that May-June meeting rolls around, uh, we get the updated taxable income figures and one member of the couple is only at $30,000. Yep. And, and so we pick up the phone straight away before we have the, <laughs> the meeting with them and yeah. say, yeah. okay, we expected this to be a lot higher at this yeah. point in time. Oh, no... Um, um, yeah, for for whatever reason, we yeah. decided to to resign from that job, and yeah. we yeah. still haven't gone back into the workforce or yeah. anything like that yeah. at this point in time. So, which, which normally so we'd be encouraging clients to tell us that six months six before. months before. Yeah, <laughs> but it's, it it's funny, and I mean, a lot of people do tell yeah. us that straight yeah. away. Yeah. Um, but people are busy as well. Yeah, so that's sometimes right. sometimes we are only uncovering at that point yeah. in time. Yeah. Uh, and with and and there's also um, business owners, there's consultants that yeah. we have as clients. Yeah. So they, they really so don't consultants know. we have no idea yeah. as to what income they're going to earn for the for yeah. the year. Uh, I have a client who's a consultant, David in Brisbane. He's also in the Army Reserves. Yeah. Um, so uh, we expected his his taxable income to be a lot higher than it was. But what had happened is he. Um, uh, they warrant him full time in the army reserves. He's he's a former he's a he's a former officer yep. in the uh, Australian Defence Force. So he's now a consultant. But they 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 ex- essentially took him uh, full time with the army reserves. Now that's tax free income. Yeah. So when it rolled around, he's, <laughs> he had very little taxable income yes. in in May and June of one particular financial year. So there's all these different types of scenarios. We we. Um, that's our job. That's our job. Is to actually, uh, <laughs> and I think to bolt it all together. To bolt it all together and say, okay, well, we'll yeah, um, this is this is unique to you in this particular financial year. This is the best uh, way we can pivot and actually pick up as many tax deductions as you can and, and other government benefits. And I think that's, um, I guess, what we might do is we might break down the, the other the other parts of the chronological order in an, in another. In a, in a separate podcast because we're sort of get going a fair bit of detail here. Yep. So, but to wrap up, I think that's that's sort of the key. There is that it, it's like a lot of things we say. This is a work in progress. Bolting it all together, it, it, it's sort of it's something that happens, and it's our role, and it's something that we do with our clients every every year. And so that's mm. the same thing that when we're recommending things to our clients, or if people are out there trying to do this themselves, it's not a thing that you get right once and, and forget about. It's mm. it's really a matter of every year you've really got to go back to it and look at, am I taking advantage of, you know, in this last 10 years of my working life, I want to be saving for my retirement. Am I taking advantage of every single tax saving? Is there any new legislation that's popped up that I can take advantage of? Has my situation changed? And does it mean that different tax savings apply to me? Um, you know, has my have my goals changed? I'm focused on different things. All of these things, it's I guess that's what we talk about is is bolting it together. Is is it's it's about taking all that information and uh, making it work in together with what people are trying to achieve. And and it's it's not about us um, bolting building something that no one wants. It's about looking at a, a situation and this is sort of what everyone needs to do. Whether you've got a financial advisor. Or not is, is to look at your situation and go. How do I fit all this together? How do I fit all this legislation? All of my planning all needs to tie in in service of that bigger picture goal. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to the Money Over Fifty podcast with Money Over Fifty Financial Advisors. We look forward to catching up again soon.